TrekGeeks is proud to have Fansets as our presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at Fansets.com. Fansets. Our pins have character. Hi, this is Gates McFadden. You played Dr. Beverly Crusher from Star Trek The Next Generation. And you're listening to the Trek Geeks podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. From the What the Hell Are They Thinking department at Podfleet Command, it's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, Trekkies, Trekkers, and Trek Geeks all across the galaxy, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and this is episode number 310. So excited to be here, and my excitement now shall wane as I introduce my co-host. Yeah, here we go. Here we are. And I apologize on behalf of his ancestors, his descendants, his friends, his family, and anybody that's ever interacted with him, whether online or in person. But he's the um, he's the other half of Trek Geeks. Dan Davidson, everybody. <laughs> you know, when you do that, it just makes me more happy to be here. So I'm really happy right now. Hi, pal. Hi, Pally. <laughs> How are no, you? Uh, I'm I'm doing great, man. It's it's good to see you. It's good to hear you. Um, God, I wish you'd do more NPR. Um, but anyway, um, it's it's happy to be here. Three ten. We're already our second episode into the year, so we're really doing pretty good as episodes go. When you look at last year, so congratulations. You know, we are twenty five percent of the way to our episode total from last year. Yep. Um, yep. We're killing it. We are. Um, we, we are killing it. But I've been looking forward to this discussion uh, since we decided what we were going to talk about this episode. Um, so, yeah, we're going to uh, deep dive on a Next Generation episode that is making fansets a buttload of money <laughs> because they have about 765 Deltas that have already come out for it. Um, and that is the fourth episode, uh, excuse me, the eighth episode in season four of Next Generation, Future Imperfect. It's going to be fun. I love I, this episode. Before we recorded, I was going to say to you, we should just call it Future Imperfect, the entire show, and not okay. say a word. I would no, like but that. now the joke's out, you know, I mean. Oh, okay. Well, it's we were, funny. We weren't going to even acknowledge it. Oh, I see. You know, well, we just can start over if you want. Do it. No, it's no, no. It's funny because I did, I did like. I'm like, did I do that before? Did I do? I did. I did a future imperfect farcism before, so I could. I knew you had. Yeah, so I got a great one though. Just you know, to whet the appetites of those listening. Do you? No, it's really bad. (laughs) You. Three hundred and ten episodes in, I find it hard to believe that there's a great farcism in my future. Farquiel was good. You admitted it. You liked it, so. 
Well, it's because it's as bad as the episode. (laughs) That's really the key to that joke. Okay. All right. I gotcha. You got me. I remember seeing the tease for this episode, you know, the week before it aired, you know, next time on Star Trek, you know, um, and thinking, whoa, what happened to Riker? Uh And this episode doesn't disappoint if you base it on that tease. You know what I mean? Yeah. This has always been one of my favorite um, TNG, at least season four episodes. I love this. There's so many great things about this episode. Um, so I'm very excited to talk about it, to be honest with you. I love it at the end of the teaser when, you know, Frakes wakes up and sick bay. He's got that look on his face and he just sells it. He does. uh, uh, Anyway, we'll get to that in a bit. Um, we are very excited. Dan Trek Long Island coming up in just over three months. I think we're 101 days out. Yeah, um, I am happy. so looking forward to this convention. Uh, it's it's really our our first big East Coast show. We've done mm-hmm. Trek on Daroga before. We've done Northeast Trek Con, which was a nice little small convention. Mm-hmm. But um, this is shaping up to be a huge one, and I I I'm so excited to be part of it. I I I really can't wait. I feel like it's the perfect appetizer before we get to STLV. Later in the summer. Yeah, I agree. This is something that I've been looking forward to ever since, you know, we started uh, having rumblings about whether or not we were going to go. Of course, we heard that the first one last year was a tremendous success. Um, and they've just added on um, to the guest list for this year's event. And and the thing that I think is so cool about, about Trek Long Island 2 is that it is very podcast-centric. Yeah, they've got a ton of different podcasts that are going to be there to um, to meet the fans and meet the stars and and do all kinds of things for the entire weekend. So I really think it's going to be a, a lot of fun for for not only the people that are going there to 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 go to a convention, but for us who are going there as podcasters. I think it's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to it. And even though you're flying up to Manchester to drive with me to New York, I'm still looking forward to it. You know it's going to be a great trip because our road trips are just fun. <laughs> they always are. They always they are. Always are. Um, you know, th- we hope to have an announcement about a very special episode of Trek Geeks that we're hopefully we'll be doing at Trek Long Island. Everybody, cross your fingers um, because um, it, it it definitely is going to prove to be a fun one. But as soon as we have that news, we will absolutely let you know. But you know. Uh, uh, you know, whisper to the great bird, if you wouldn't mind, because we'd love to make this one happen. It's going to be absolutely. Epic. It's going to be great. Dan, Dan, in the meantime, you and I are going to step away to do a little business with America and match game 76. We'll be right wow. back. Wow. 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 Dan, of course, we always want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Trek Geeks. Yeah, we absolutely do. It's one of my favorite parts of the podcast, buddy. Uh, you know, we get to talk about new pins from Fansets, and I guess you could say that this is the part of the show where I get to say, pin alert. We got to put some sound effects in there or something. No? Yes? Uh, let me talk to the uh, the engineer. 
Okay, great. Thank you. Um, speaking of new stuff, they continue to release new stuff all the time. They got some great new Trek pins available right now at fansets.com, including the beautiful Vulcan IDIC badge available in both pin and magnet form. James Kirk, the new version 2 design, as they're calling it. Dr. Miglamo from Lower Decks, great bird of the galaxy kind of spinoff, no. maybe? No, not, at, not all. at all. And not at all. Uh, speaking of Lower Decks, though, buddy, Captain Freeman is the latest in the beautiful line of the universe of Trek pins. Glitter, of course, is included. Also, additionally, the USS Stargazer from Picard is the latest in the XL Master Ships collection. And not to be outdone by size, the Klingon Mini Insignia is now available, too. Uh, and this Wait. may be my favorite one of all, buddy, the Delta from the animated series is now available in both pin and magnet form. And dude, it looks fantastic. Well, and you know, Dan, we should point out that size does matter in this case. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of new releases this week, Dan. So everyone get yourselves on over to fansets.com. Grab all of those great new pins, including those TAS deltas, because I can't wait to get my hands on those. And then at checkout, be sure to enter the special discount code TREKGEEKS for 10% off your entire order. That's Trek Geeks in all capital letters with no spaces. And of course, don't forget, when you spend more than $30, you will automatically get free shipping in the U.S. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks. Well, buddy, here we are. We are going to talk today about the fourth season episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, one that you just we just sort of picked off the cuff last week, uh, and that is yeah. the, the fantastic Future Imperfect. It is fantastic. I love the episode. I'm glad that we're doing it, and, and I love the reason why we're doing it. Uh, it was the eighth episode of season four. Uh, it was written by J. Larry Carroll and David Bennett Karen, and directed by Les Landrew. A fantastic job, great direction, great acting all around, good storyline, good special effects. All around a really positive, one of my favorite episodes of season four, actually. I love how you called him Les Landrew, like he was from TOS. Oh, I did, Landau, sorry, Landau. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you well, you know me. I mean, you can't go an episode without it. So there you go. Let's land out. My apologies. Yeah, Landrew. I'm sure he's listening. And, and regarding the writers, I'm like, <laughs> as soon as you're reading those names, I'm like, who? Yeah, I I, I have to say the same thing. Yep, absolutely. And I, yep. I guess it's just a, it's a great example of how people outside the writing process can come up with really fantastic stories, or at least outside, you know, the main group of writers that we know at this point in, in TNG can come up with great stories that really just sort of, you know, seem like the Star Trek we know and love throughout the decades. Yeah, absolutely. This one is, is one of those ones that really hits it just right it's not to bonk on the head with stuff but it really it makes you think a lot and i think it's really great it's a little bonk on the head in a couple of ways and i think we're going to get to that in just a bit i think there are some questions that that we have as this thing goes on but there's so much good stuff here so yeah so it'll be interesting for me to see what your bonk bonk moments are i think it'll be kind of neat um I just I just think it's a great episode all around and got to give props right up 
right up front, first thing is Jonathan Frakes. He does a great job in this episode. It's some classic Riker, classic Riker lines, classic Riker maneuvers, um, and all of the all of the little subtle things that you see for differences and what's going on. They really they really pull out all the stops um, from making it feel like it's really the future. Um, so yeah. I'm looking forward to, to getting in. Of course, with even with great episodes, you know that I'm going to dig on some stuff, and I can't wait to because i got a few things to dig on in this, but uh, I still think we're going to have a great conversation. Well, and it also doesn't mean that we hate the episode. I mean, I think it's... Not at all. I, I, I think that it's being honest to say that, you know, the things that are weird about the episode are just weird, um, or at least don't work. And, and it's okay to admit that stuff and still love, you know, what we're seeing and, and what it means for the characters. Um, I have to agree with you about Jonathan Frakes. I mean, if you think about it, this is one of the first episodes in season four where we get to see, you know, the full Riker experience, if you think about it. He's had some episodes before where he's been featured prominently, quite a number of them. But, you know, I, I really think that we get a sense for who Will Riker is as an explorer and a captain to some level. But more importantly, we kind of get to see what he would be like as a father. And I think it draws a right. very clear distinction between him and his dad, Kyle. And isn't it interesting that we already talked about this a, a little bit of how that whole experience as a father and what we know with what we saw in reality in Star Trek in Picard season three, as he is a father and has a daughter and has suffered the loss of a son we look back at I look back at this one with a little bit of nostalgia, seeing how he was acting with who he thought was his son, who was probably in close to his teens uh, and missed a lot of uh, a lot of his life because of this memory issue. But um, of course, we all know that's just a ruse. But we, that's we're jumping ahead of ourselves, I think a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the first thing I have to say is that I have a really hard time believing that Will Riker can't play that note in that song. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that was something I was going to bring up, but yes, absolutely. I mean, it's right at the wah 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 wah. Yeah, and every time I hear that song, all I can hear is Thomas Magnum singing it on Magnum PI, like "Look at me." I miss helpless, you know, and it just, every time I hear that note and he, and he, he messes it up. I'm like, he is a better trombone player than this. Come on. He was going to play night. It's not a hard, yeah, it's not a hard, uh, it's not a hard note. I don't think. And I don't even play the trombone. So, but, uh, that is, that is a funny part. Uh, and it's kind of neat how that comes back in the middle of the episode when he's learning how to be a dad with, with Jean-Luc the boy not the admiral <laughs> Jean-Luc the boy is it Jean-Luc the boy is it a little weird that he's named his kid Jean-Luc theoretically in the future or that Barrage no. figures that he'd name his kid Jean-Luc cuz i think it's weird no i didn't i didn't really think it's weird i mean they they i mean they've had a great a relationship um he looks up to him uh no i don't I, I don't i didn't think it was strange at all now i do because you brought it up but i didn't think of it before so thanks dummy <laughs> <laughs> this is what i do these are the questions i ask on trek geek stand and honestly these are the kinds of insipid <laughs> questions you're not going to hear on any other podcast i just want to make that clear um 
The other I thing I want to call out right off the bat is, you know, as soon as we jump sort of 16 years into the future, you know, after the fog envelops us and Riker wakes up mm. in sick bay, um, in the future, did we forget how to make hair look good? <laughs> I like, I love his hair in that scene. Well, I, I mean, the gray streaking is a little weird, but Beverly's wig is terrible. Uh, oh, Diana's yeah, wig true. is terrible. Picard's grown out hair in the back is completely <laughs> yes. unlike Picard. It's like he's. That's you know, true. I'm waiting for him to turn it into a ponytail as soon as he can. Um, <laughs> I feel like we we kind of regressed on hair and maybe you know dipped into the the TOS vault from the '60s for some of those wigs. I don't disagree. That, that is especially Picard. Picard's the one that always stood out to me. I love the beard, but the hair was kind of like. Dude, you're gonna like if you uh, gonna part that thing over like you do when you're missing half your hair on one side of your head or whatnot. Um, before we actually get too much in detail, man, we should probably give a quick synopsis of this episode. Like, there's anybody who's not seen this yet. Well, right? I, I, you sound like just the person to provide that. <laughs> it's gonna be very quick. So basically, there's an away mission on Alpha Anias Three. Riker, Worf, and Geordi are down on the surface, and they're in a cave, and it gets really foggy, and they're trying to beam everybody out. Everybody gets out, but Riker, he passes out as he's coughing. Not very good cough acting, by the way. I will, I will point that out <laughs> right now. Uh, he wakes up in sick bay. Things are a little weird. Uh, Beverly tells him that he has. Um, been in a coma and he's got a disease where he has now lost all of his memory from the point of that passing out, which was 16 years ago. So he has woken up 16 years in the future, has no recollection of any of those 16 years. And during this episode, he finds out that he had a wife who died in a shuttle crash, a son who was alive. Picard is an admiral working with the Romulans. Deanna is working with Picard. Uh, he is captain. Uh, Data is first officer. And they are on the verge of a treaty with the Romulans and Ambassador Tomalak, who we have seen, of course, uh, in other episodes of TNG. The computer doesn't work very well. He starts getting suspicious. All of a sudden, he finally figures out that something's not right when, oh my gosh, the video of his wife is Minuet, who is a hologram, so something's not right here. He calls everybody out. It turns out that Tomalak and his Romulan clad of baddies captured him and have him in a giant holodeck. But no, that's not it either, because his son Jean-Luc... Uh, makes a mistake and calls Tomalak Ambassador Tomalak, and Riker says, okay, I'm not playing this anymore. And it turns out that Jean-Luc is actually the cause of this entire ruse on the planet. He is a an orphan by himself with incredible technology around him, and he made this ruse so that he would have someone stay with him. Riker figures it out. They get back on board, and uh, they, they get everything straightened out, and they beam back to the Enterprise together. What a happy ending for the alien known as Barash, and it's no future. There is no imperfect future. There is no imperfect future. It was just a big fantasy. The end. It was a lie. <laughs> it was a lie. It was a lie. It was a lie. And uh, But a well-done well lie. Yeah, no, I, admittedly so. I mean, I, here's one thing I want to know. We, we've seen so many episodes of Star Trek to this point. You know, this is 1990 when this airs. You know, we've seen mm -hmm. three years of the original series. We've seen three full years of Next Gen. We've seen two seasons of the animated series. And why is it that so many alien races that are incredibly powerful <laughs> lack 
the presence of mind to pick up on fine details. Mm-hmm. I mean, now mm-hmm. I got to admit, you know, Barash extrapolated some great things. I mean, he changed the combat. He made little changes yes. on the enterprise to show us that it was different. And in the future, the hair. Okay. Um, <laughs> but you know, little things like minuet, for example, who we first mm-hmm. see in the, the first season episode, one, one, zero, zero, one, zero, zero, one, um, nice. Thank you. Done. Thank you. You think that mm-hmm. they would know that she wasn't real, even right. though she exists in Riker's memory and he had genuine feelings mm-hmm. for her. You think that if yep. they're able to probe that out of his brain, that they would know, yeah, maybe not that. Yep. You think they picked Deanna as Imzadi. Exactly. That's that's one of the things I was going to bring up. So thank you very much. Yeah. His love for Deanna has always been there. He was more, it was more of a fantasy fantasy with Minuet, the way that he acted with her in that season one episode. Um, it was kind of nice to bring back the same actress to play her for yeah. the like four seconds that she was on screen yeah. in this episode. But yeah, you would have thought that um, if that mind probe uh, I don't want to call it mind probe. That's not the right. The, the mind. The scanners. They, the, the scanners would have picked that his real true love and was his Imzadi Deanna and and worked with that. That would have that would have helped with some of the mistakes. Um, I did like how they wrote that whenever he went what they thought would be off script or what Barash thought would be off script, the computer had lag. I kind of liked that aspect of it. Um, it was very interesting to see Riker get frustrated by a two-second lag. Obviously, he's never had a 2,600-baud modem in his life. Uh, <laughs> but uh, one thing I wanted to bring up in, with regards to Barash, and we're going to kind of jump around the different things and not in really sequential order, but we were talking about Barash. Uh, whatever happened to him? <laughs> um, Riker, like, took him off of this planet that was set up specifically to protect him for the rest of his life. And we'll get into that in a second. But he, they beam up all happy. My name is Barash. And then there they go. Yay. Never heard from again. You never see him on the Enterprise. You never hear him talked about. Riker never says anything. Never sends him a, a, a subspace message saying, happy birthday, Barash. My old little buddy. Uh, nothing. You never hear from him again. It's just a perfect example of week to week on TNG. It's like that, that could have been, you know, he could have beamed up to the ship and Worf still had a broken spine. But we never heard about both of those again either. So, you know. <laughs> well, at Mission Log, Mission Log once talked about, you know, he's with uh, Jeremy Astor and the puppies <laughs> and, you know, every other sort of hitchhiker that the Enterprise D has ever picked up. Um, right. You know, they probably get dropped off at the nearest star base. You know, they wind up going through this, uh, this sort of debrief and slash condo sales pitch on why life in the Federation is so fantastic. <laughs> And then they get to go along their merry way. But the whole idea is that Barash didn't want to be alone. And now all of a sudden, once he leaves the Enterprise, he's, wait for it, alone. <laughs> and that's that's really weird to me. It's sad. I mean, I, lo- really I love the ending of this episode. Don't get me wrong. But if you break it down and dissect it, you know, we have to assume that, you know, Barash, you know, uh, Met a friend, you know, maybe Riker had somebody at Starfleet. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, maybe there Sorry. was somebody at Starfleet who, <laughs> who, you know, decided they would act as, you know, Barash's, you know, person. 
Yeah. I don't know, but you know, there's no context given to that. What would have been great was a closing log entry. Yeah. Because you remember right after that scene, the Enterprise just sort of impulses off into the, the stars. Mm-hmm. And I think that would have provided some of that context that we lack. You know, the Enterprise mm-hmm. is on its way to Starbase, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, where, you know, Barash will um, meet so Dr. So-and-so and, and learn yeah. about life in the Federation and right. and have his choice of where to go. You know, something that's, or something along those lines. It really struck me as weird. It was weird, and it was a little sad. Um, the other thing with regards to the planet on Alpha Onias 3, I'm surprised I can say that correctly each time, um, and don't think that I didn't try to get a fark out of that. It just wouldn't have worked. I'm, um, I'm surprised you is- haven't called it Jackie Onassis 3, quite frankly. <laughs> well, the, the day is young. Um, this is a very powerful um, amount of technology being used to protect this one being. Yeah. His mother obviously was high up in something and needed to protect her son and built this unbelievably incredible, powerful technology that could read someone's minds and thoughts and build an entire environment out of it, making the person believe they were really in it. What race is this? Where are they? What have they done? Where have they gone? Is there a benefit to being friends with the Federation? How much of an enemy could they be? There are so many questions that are opened up with this one alien race that we never know. You know, the last time we had a youthful person come on board an Enterprise, you know, because he seemed okay, it was Charlie X. I just want to throw that out there. (laughs) And look how that turned out. But I mean, admittedly, Riker has no idea this kid's capabilities, I mean, the scanners right. can create this entire environment through him, you know, to to make Riker feel like he's he's on the Enterprise. It had the sights, it had the smells. You know, we know this now because Riker mm-hmm. Riker says so. But right, uh, we have no idea if they're not, you know, um, uh, if they don't feed on the souls of sentient beings. What do they eat? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, just looking at that alien face, who knows what they could do? That's another thing. Bug face. This is going to be the last thing that bugs me about this episode before we get into the things I, re- I really, really love. Yeah, that was actually unintentional. <laughs> um, that is not my favorite um, makeup slash costume piece in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It looks um, it, it looks really stereotypical. You know, a- aliens came and... And and hauled me away for you know for exploratory tests and probed me kind of thing. Exactly. Um, yeah. I I expected different because even Sarjenka in season two looked interesting. Exactly. Exactly. It was like this was kind of a shortcut. Um, yeah. And they they wanted they wanted to introduce an alien that was extremely powerful or had the technology extremely uh, powerful technology. So they really wanted to make them look different. And in doing so, they made them look like Roswell. Yeah. Um, right. That really is the best descriptor of it. It's, um, yeah, I, I would, I mean, for all the great aliens that have been created, you know, by Michael Westmore, I mean, the, the dude mm-hmm. has an Academy award, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I would have thought that there would be something that looks a little less Roswell quite honestly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep, me too. That, that for me was the really the biggest letdown. I mean, if I'm if I'm looking at it in the scope of the episode, it's a super minor thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. 
But mm-hmm. when I watched it again, you know, just, you know, just last night before bed, I'm like, really? Because yeah. this episode is so good. It is. It's fantastic. I love this episode. It's so great. But there are always things that you can pull out and and talk about. One of them, which is the biggest one for me, and it's such a small one, but I've been itching to talk about it with you. I told you that I had a couple things that I wanted to talk about at this episode. Let's go back to season two and Shades of Grey for just a moment. Oh, yeah. Ah, what a wonderful episode. Actually, I I really like Shades of Grey. It's it's not it's not bad. It's it's you know it's flashback episodes and and the story's compelling enough. But what's interesting is in Shades of Grey, he gets stabbed by that tree thing or bitten or whatever it is that happens to him, and he's up in sick bay, and they got the probes going into his mind, and he's laying there on the on the hospital bed, and he's he's got this nice shiny blanket on him, and he looks like he's in the hospital, and everything's great, just like you would expect when you're in sick bay. Totally. This episode. Great opening episode, by the way, when he looks at his reflection and he sees the different com badge and he sees his hair has changed and he's got white in his beard. Fantastic scene. Absolutely fantastic. According to Beverly, however, he has been in a coma for days after he had the symptoms of this uh, of this disease. He's still in his uniform. He's been in a coma for days and they didn't take him out of his uniform and put him in a sick bay bed with a blanket and maybe hospital blues, like one of those things that you tie in the back and you're hanging all out of it all the time. He's got his captain's uniform on still. I understand it's for the the shock of seeing that awesome badge that Fansets is making a gajillion dollars off of. <laughs> Sorry, Lou and John, I'm just going to tease you about that forever. But, Huh? that's just something that's always been like what's going on here i have seen this episode conservatively 50 times never once have has it dawned on me that Riker should be wearing a johnny (laughs) a space johnny yeah never once that's something every time i'm like i'm like every single time somebody's in sickbay and they're there for a long time even in in tos kirk's in there for a couple of days (laughs) he's he's not in his uniform He's in the nope. the, the, the nope. base scrubs, yeah. He's got a so so Captain Riker's been in there for for I think it was eight days, uh, ten days, days, I think. In the ten days in the same outfit, yum. Just stewing. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that that's one of the funniest parts of this episode, and it's not meant to be. I understand the shock value of what's going on there, but it's just something that I've always found is hysterical. As as far as a scene goes, the scene is is. Is blocked oh. and staged incredibly well, you know. When you get mm-hmm. that look where he sees himself in the mirror, and then the camera comes comes around, and and you see his face, it's like, oh wow, what the hell is going yeah. on? It, you're right. It is a yep. it, the scene as it exists is is fantastic, but they want you to see those four pips, and they want you to see that different com badge. But you're right. He's been mm-hmm. stewing in the same uh, Starfleet issue for ten days now, and it's got to be smelling lovely. And as far as I know, we don't see him change because he's always walking around with people, you know, getting familiar with everything. He's never really by himself. Well, then he's torn around the ship in the same. Exactly. You, no, <laughs> he's probably Phew. changed by then. There was a commercial break. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's always something that I've I've found quite funny uh, and and have been waiting to talk about. Um, I love how they. The, the subtle things that we've talked about. I love the Admiral uniform that Picard has. I really yeah. like that futuristic look. That I cool. love that. I love that there's a Ferengi uh, on the bridge. I, I love thought that. that was good. 
I would have loved. I don't. I don't think we've really gotten too much Cardassians by then. Maybe a little bit, but even seeing a Cardassian on the bridge would have been really cool. But just the Ferengi was awesome, and he even makes comment about that, which is good. Of course, uh, one of the tropes I guess we could talk about with the bonk bonk on the head is, oh, okay, Worf has a scar on his face. Okay, Sulu. Okay, whatever. Um, but and I don't get why he's practically hunched over the console. <laughs> it's like he's typing oh, in his he's always- the pin for his ATM card. <laughs> And why is he not in security? What happened? He's the operations manager now. Data promoted up, which means Worf was the next to promote. So he got Data's spot. Oh, I bet you he, and he probably wasn't officer. happy about that. Ugh, I wouldn't have liked that. I would have wanted to stay up on the horseshoe, baby. Well, it's not the first time, you know, Worf has had to potentially <laughs> yeah. take that role, you know? Yep. Because it gets yep. talked about another time. But I, um, it's, I like the fact that the Enterprise is familiar enough but different enough where you can obviously tell it's the future. But I have to yeah. tell you the one thing I love about this episode is the fact that you see LeVar Burton's eyes. Finally. Lovely. Finally. Very nice. Not fake cybernetic implant eyes. Eyes. Yeah, not just the whites of his eyes because he's mm-hmm. blind, um, but you actually get to see LeVar's eyes. And mm-hmm. it's... It's fantastic because, I mean, that's one of the defining characteristics, you know, that people remembered about him from Roots were just his eyes. You know, exactly. they were just, yep. they cut right through you in a lot of those scenes in Roots. In addition to his amazing performance, it's it's amazing to think how young he was at that particular time. But when, you know, he yep. turns around and you see his eyes, you're like, damn. Whoa. That's yeah, cool. Absolutely. And they had Very a great cool. explanation for it. And it makes me mm-hmm. wonder why couldn't that happen? <laughs> absolutely. Why, yep, why can't absolutely. we just clone a pair of eyes and um, uh, mm-hmm. put them in? Yep. Speaking of, of scientific technology, I know what the answer is going to be, but I'm going to put it out there anyway to you. Yeah. So in one of the episodes, uh, baby Jean-Luc, we'll call him baby Jean-Luc <laughs> just for better, you know, just a better term. <laughs> Is paying, playing Parisi Squares. According, he could break his neck. Great scene. He's got a broken wrist. One thing I love about the future in Star Trek is you can have just about anything happen and just a little with one of the devices, and you're going to be fine. A little Why what? Why does still have a scar? A little what? A little Yep. I, I, I know because he's Klingon and blah, 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 but... Yeah, that could have been gone in like five seconds. I have to believe that it was the type of injury that a dermal regenerator would be unable to repair, possibly, or Worf wanted the trophy. Worf wanted the trophy because they could have fixed Martok's eye and scarring in Deep Space Nine, and he chose not to. So I don't, I don't think just a little scar like that would be a dermal regenerator issue. Worf gets a new goddamn spine. Granted, <laughs> <laughs> later. Uh-huh later yep. but uh yep. you mean to tell me uh, but we we keep going back to the the little minor problems i want to really focus which is what which is what's so fun i know but i want to focus really on the things that are really fantastic about this episode yes. else people are going to think yes. we're dogging on it the whole time and we're really not no, not oh yeah we don't want it we don't want to have that at all nope not at all Riker looks you know even in his his state where he's lost 16 years of his memory he acts and feels like the captain of this enterprise and he does and data looks really good in red um so great first time we see him in red i think isn't it yeah because we don't see him in red again till chain of command 
Yeah, I think that's right. Yep. Or um, what about parallel? So I can't think. I think that's later. So yeah, absolutely. Yep. I, I got to say, I looked for that red data action figure from Playmates in the early 90s. They had it? Everywhere. Oh, it was one of the least produced ones. There was a limited wow. stock run of them. And if you got one, it was immediately worth like about 200 bucks. But I wanted wow. that red data. It was so hard to find. I went to every toy store in the Metro Denver area at the time when I lived there. Couldn't find one to save my life. It's like the white whale of, of Playmates action figures mm-hmm. from the 90s. That's that's cool. It it, it looked good. I mean, yeah. I think I think data looks good in red, quite frankly. I, he looks he looks very good in red and that's one of the that's one of the things also that I like because you don't catch it at the first time you're watching this episode in that 2 seconds, you don't catch that he uses a contraction. And that's when Riker really starts yeah. catching on that something's not right. Um, but before Riker's like, "What did you say? You said can't." I thought that was great how they how how that that scene unfolded. I really liked it. But yes, you're right. Data Data looks damn good in red. I'm still trying to figure out a good reason for Deanna and Picard to be on board the Romulan ship without no. the the treaty being signed. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps it's a goodwill gesture. Perhaps they were just along for the ride, but uh, I, I don't, I don't know. It's a great reveal. I love the fact that you know Riker's like red alert. <laughs> you know, chills t- up. T- typical Frankian style. But you know, when they come on the view screen, it's like, what the? How? You would think that we were already allies at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to have had more detail around why right well here's one of the things that i find interesting about that because i've thought about that also and it's not a dog again we're not dogging it but i've thought the same thing they make it very clear throughout the rest of the episode how important Riker was in all of these negotiations and even if he was in a coma for 10 days you would think that he would have been in much more heavily involved in these treaties, except for however it was at the beginning, all through this time when Picard supposedly was doing it, and then just for the final signing of the treaty. Doesn't make sense. Even though people say, well, he went in a coma and he was sick and they didn't know if he was going to have his memory. That happened only 10 days ago. There was, I'm sure that this treaty had been going on, the negotiations, for a long time. I think part of this is the flaw in Barash's story. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that as the scanners try to put this stuff together, it's like, well, what would make sense here? And perhaps some of this is not intentionally based upon shortcomings in the script, but perhaps the writer's interpretation of what Barash would have put together in the mind of a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's good, just my point. my two cents. Yeah. No, no, I like it. I like that a lot. Um one of the things that's interesting is I think because of because of Star Trek, um, I always say schedule now when instead of schedule. Um, but whenever we see um, Riker when he said when he tells Picard to shut up, which is a great that's a great <laughs> scene when he says shut up as in stop shut your mouth stop talking and and Sir Patrick's like uh, I do with his you reaction is great exactly and then he walks up in front of the view screen and says you know. Shall we end the charade? And I'm always like, damn, it It sounds like he should be saying, let's end the charade. Yes. But he does. One thing I did not know until doing research for this discussion was in the trailer for this episode, they use him saying it that way. 
but in the actual episode, they use a different take where he says charade. See, That's incredible. I thought so, because I, I could have sworn I remembered him saying it that way. Yeah. You know, and then when it gets to charade, I'm like, well, maybe I'm just, you know, uh, assuming I, that that's I the wonder, way it would have been. I wonder if in earlier, you know, when it was first aired, maybe he said charade. But what I'm, what I've been reading um, is that it was in the um, in like the you know the trailer. He says it, but but it's it's kind of interesting. I saw that because I always picture that in my mind and hear it in my head that it's charade and not charade. So thanks, Captain Picard. Well, you know, you know, sometimes when they cut those promos together. I'm sure that the episode isn't necessarily locked at the time. True. And they're running yep. with the best footage they have. And it, maybe it's the kind of thing where somebody just took the wrong take and put it in the, the promo reel. Quite possibly. Or took the wrong take and put it in the actual episode. Um, sure. I'll buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think Sherrod would have been kind of neat but to be in there for, for real. It's interesting that they're both delivered almost identically. Yeah. True. You know, it is. both are solid as far as takes go, but mm-hmm. you know, one just, I, I think Sherrod sounds better, quite frankly. Rakes takes, two takes rakes. <laughs> Maybe it was two takes. <laughs> Maybe it was, absolutely. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, I also like how, um, one of the things I like is, is we have continuity in this episode, but we also have continuity later in this episode, even though this didn't really actually happen. Because in parallels, the com badges look really similar to these. Oh, they do. Which I thought was kind of cool that they, they kind of brought that back. I mean, they got a whole bunch of them in the dressing room backstage. You might as well use them, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's one budget item they, they can cross off because they already have a bunch of these extras. Exactly. Yep. Um, just there's just so many great things about this episode that's great, but but it all comes back to Frakes for me. He is he commands every scene. Usually he commands every scene anyway. Yeah. But he commands every scene in this episode, and he does it. He does it with forcefulness when it needs to be there. He does it with compassion when he's on one on one with with Baby Jean Luc. Um, he does it with um, you know concern and being kind of afraid when he's talking one-on-one with Deanna on what he's supposed to do and how he's supposed to act and what if he never gets these memories back. Frakes does a fantastic job and 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 running the gambit of all the emotions in this episode, all for naught because it never really happened. Right. Well, you figure, you know, when, when he's aboard the future Enterprise, this is a Riker who's having to assimilate a lot of brand new information, but still pretend like everything is really cool. Yeah. You know, oh, hey, I got to play it cool for the Romulans. All right. Oh my God, I'm a father. Oh my God, I'm the captain of this ship. Oh my God, I don't remember the last 16 goddamn years. <laughs> you know, it's um, it, I, the way that, you know, that Frake sort of portrays that, because you can tell inside he's bewildered, mm-hmm. but on the outside he's Riker. Right. He is. And, and he does a good job of that in a way that is not diplomatic. No. Because when he first meets Tomalak, He's got concerns, and when they're walking down the corridor, and then especially when they're turbo lift, the looks and snarkiness of his comments is really not becoming of a captain, because he's just not sure what's going on yet. And no. I think that's another great example of how he how well he did in this. No, but it is Riker. <laughs> it is it is definitely Riker. Absolutely, I'm surprised they didn't punch Tomalock. I love the twist in this episode where Riker figures out the charade, and. Shot. You know, um, it, it essentially, the, the scanners and Barash turn it into, well, it's a Romulan experiment to try to extract the location of Starbase 28 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. That was so brilliant. Yep. Um, 
And Sherrod number two. <laughs> Sherrod number two. What a great way yeah. to make to keep Riker in it than to make him think that he was in a simulation to try to compromise Starfleet security. And I, one thing I really liked about that is when that when that came to be, when when he thought that you know he he called the bluff of Tomalock in the first charade, Sherrod, and it the the image of the bridge dissolve the special effects kind of look a little dated when, the, yeah. when you can tell it's a green screen but then when they show the romulan in quotes holodeck which is gigantic i love the fact that way up in the distance there's romulans walking around yeah yeah i love how they did that and that actually was the set of the borg ship from best of both worlds and they redressed it to make it look like a romulan holodeck but I loved how that little special effect, you could actually see people back there walking. It gave it depth, even though it was kind of a, a dated special effect. Yeah, and perhaps they needed something larger than a simple holodeck simply because of what they were extracting from Riker's memories. Right. And the memory, need, the memory, like CPU and memory that was needed for something like that. Yeah. Well, and yeah. then the way that, well, I, first I got to say Andreas Katsoulis, you know, returning Always as Homolock, you know, mm-hmm. the great, great actor from Babylon 5. From uh, The Fugitive with Harrison Ford, where he plays the one-armed man. Just so many great character portrayals by him throughout the years. But, you know, the way his character just sort of says, oh, she wasn't real? Yeah, we messed that one up. Jeez, we'll have to get that ready and then, you know, better in the next revision. You know, paraphrasing, of course, but um, it was just like, huh. Wow. Well, good for you. You figured it out, man. Yeah, we were totally trying to scam you. (laughs) <laughs> gotta give him credit too because i said it before in past episodes of trek geeks the wardrobe in in tng is awesome love the starfleet uniforms those romulan uniforms look like the most friggin uncomfortable things ever they are so pointed and the one scene where they're walking down the corridor for the first time we really get a close-up of tomalock walking with picard and rikers behind them that sleeve looks like it could cut through metal as he's walking down the corridor because it's just so like Whoa, that give him credit for wearing that thing. That thing looks awful. It looks like they took some of the old uh, solar panels from Skylab after it <laughs> fell back to Earth and said, what can we do with this? I got it. Yeah. Let's make the Romulan uniforms. And it's funny that that's, for some reason, that became a thing on TNG to make the Romulans pointed in ways that we never really saw it. Uniform points bridge points on the forehead of course their ears are pointed but that's just something that seemed to take off with the romulans in uh in tng which carried all across all the way through picard so i'm glad that the you know the part of the the charade that took place at the romulan installation wherever the heck that was Mm -hmm. um didn't last very long because i think it was the less believable of the two like, all of a sudden, here's a weapon. All of a sudden, here's a crawl space. I know this place to hide that they don't know, but yet you, there's this grate where you can see right out into the hallway. Um, <laughs> and you can hold it with paper clips. And you can hold it with paper clips. <laughs> but all very, you know, if you think about the times when you're a kid, right? And you pretend that you're in this world of whatever show. Like, let's say you're playing Star Trek outdoors with your friends. You come up with these sort of half-baked things exactly. that make perfect sense to you when you're eight years yep. old. But when you're 35 or 40, it's like, what the hell? Yep. It also makes me think of the times where you know you've done something wrong and you try to come up with a lie to keep the story sounding like it's real. Yeah. And as a kid, it's just far-fetched. And you're listening to a kid as an adult and it's just far-fetched, but the kid feels like it's real. And I feel that that was 
kind of happening when he saw things starting to unravel. Yeah. Uh, more so than when Riker discovered that the Enterprise thing was a farce. When he started discovering that the the Romulan prison was a farce, then you kind of started to see some really weird excuses and things take place. I do love the I do love the way that Romulan disruptor weapons work. Yeah. And the the special effects on on that for this episode were pretty cool. Stormtroopers need those things because you can't miss with those, it seems. <laughs> At least when Riker's firing. Well, because that scene is in the uh the episode promo too. And I remember seeing that and going, mm-hmm. whoa, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah. I um it's the so the scanners do a really good job of trying to stay a couple of seconds ahead mm-hmm. until you give it a challenge. And then every now and then it just gets something wrong. Almost perfect, but not perfect enough. And we're kind of back to that discussion point that I brought up at exactly. the beginning that was yeah. like, you know, for this amazing race um, where there's apparently just this one kid left. And I don't know how the hell that happens, but that's a story for another time. Um, the fact that they would get so many of these details almost Mm-hmm. is is pretty good it's pretty good and it's kind of scary yeah I, I i i it's funny you talk about how he might he's he might be the last one i really can't imagine that he's the last one i have to go with the with the i go with the mindset that he was the last of the family that he was in and was hidden where he could never be found by the mother who has since been killed or whatever there's got to be this race has got to be out there somewhere i can't believe that with this technology and this futuristic way of doing things and the power that they have that they could have been wiped out somehow no but we have to at least consider the possibility right mm-hmm. you know for all we know you know kind of like um well it seems like kids wind up in the weirdest positions in Star Trek because, you know, Sarjenko was alone on a planet that was mm-hmm. falling apart. Don't know where True. her family was, whether they left yeah. her behind. So, well, you just stay in your room, you know? <laughs> um, but this kid left with these scanner things in the middle of the rocks. Um, no semblance of, of help coming. We don't know how long he's been there. We don't know how long he's been there. Has he ever gone outside the cave? Don't know. To see where he's at. I mean, there's. That's what I talked about earlier. There is. There is so much there to build on, and I don't want to call it a missed opportunity, but it never came up again ever in the slightest way, and yeah. that's that's a little sad because it, I mean, you could have a whole. Not that I'm. You know, I'm talking out of my ass right now, but you could have a whole spinoff on something like that um, if you wanted to, if you really wanted to put the time and detail into it. But I, I, it, it was, it was interesting that we never heard anything about them, never got a name for the race, never got another word from Barash or what happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be one of those mysteries that, you know, comes to our brain whenever we see this episode, it would have been great if this were covered in a novel, um, or even a comic book series, um, you know, to sort of get some more meat around, you know, what happens to Barash or where he came from in the first place. Right. Um, and whether or not he goes back home, because we have to assume this isn't his home. No, it didn't, it didn't sound like it was. It, it sounded like he was hidden there by his mom. So I don't think it was his home. If it was his home, it's a pretty drab home. Just a big cave. And <laughs> why hidden? Yeah. that uh, They, they kind of play on that a little bit about, about how his mother's enemies were looking for them. But that's it. That's all you hear. I mean, what was she a space pirate? Was she the head of the pirate. government? <laughs> I, you, I, who knows? Um, well, sadly, we'll never know. It's like how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Three. The world will never know. Three. 
to who? <laughs> I don't know where that came That's from. That's what they tell us in the commercial anyway. It is. That's a cute owl too. I like that. Anyway. So, I mean, uh, all in all, if, we, if we're if we stack ranking the top 10 Riker episodes, this one's in there. Oh, absolutely. I'd say it's in the top top three, top four, maybe. Really? Oh, I love this. This is Riker at his best. Best. I mean, you got frame of mind. That's that's probably number one. Yeah. I mean, I can't really yeah. think of anything else. But but th- this is this is a strong Riker episode, and I think the reason I'm so passionate about it is because not only is it a strong Riker acted episode, it's a strong written at Riker episode. Yeah. When you get when you get strong writing, strong acting, strong directing. How can you go wrong? And all of those things are in this episode, which is what's why it's one of my top ones for season four, if not the entire run of the series. I love this episode. It's also the second time in this particular season, season four, where he gets to be the captain. That's right. Absolutely. Because he starts Whether it's the real season, or not. Yeah, he starts the <laughs> season that way. And then by episode yep. eight, it's like, yeah, just put another pip on him. It'll be fine. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Way to go. Way to go, Frakes. <laughs> for me, I have to think that best of both worlds one and two are up there for him just because of what it means for him. I would say for what it means for him, yes, in terms of a Riker episode, I've never really put it up in the top top ones. I mean, I understand there's a lot that he has to deal with. He's got to become the captain like on the fly. He's losing his friend. And there's a couple scenes when he's dressing down Shelby that are really strong, but it's not it's not the whole episode. This is the whole episode. This is this is all Riker all the time in this one, and I really just love the way it's done. I'd argue that part two is almost all, an all Riker episode. It is. It is. Yeah, that I'll give you that. Yep. But unfortunately, and I hate to say this because it's probably going to piss people off. The, the the second part of the best of both worlds doesn't hold a candle to the first part, in my opinion. It's still great. The ending is a little it's never anything that I've really loved of how it ended and putting him, you know, sleep and all that stuff. Um but so that maybe that takes it away from me looking at it as much of a Riker episode as as I should. I'd like to put you to sleep. <laughs> so I, that I I do not doubt. <laughs> and you know, Dan. Mm. I love talking about these episodes. Yes. You know, because I think ever since Picard season three, these episodes of Next Generation kind of hit a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much more to admire and love and really just sort of enjoy about some of the, I guess they're classics now. I mean, let's just be honest about yeah. it. We're that age. Yep. But they're in a way- I'm going to say they're even a little better than the first time we saw them. I don't disagree. I think that's one of the things I love so much about what Picard season three did. Um, the the additional layers of all these characters that a lot of people grew up with. We didn't necessarily grow up with them because we're older, but a lot of fans grew up with TNG. So to be able to have that additional layer of what's happened so many years later, um, seeing them all together again really makes these these special episodes that are some of our favorites from TNG stand out more. And I don't disagree with you at all. They're even better now. Yeah. How that's possible. I don't know, but it is, and they are, and it does. And we do. (laughs) I have to agree with all that. It's the first time you've made sense this entire episode. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Now I say that in contrast to the episode I'm about to hear about, um, because we want to thank our friends, the band five year mission. And that usually means you go on some, sprawling incoherent babble fest about some mirror universe episode that you've seen 
that has to do with the band. Goodness gracious. So let me just say before you get to that horrifying piece of Trek Geeks. Ouch. That we love five-year mission. We, we do. really do. Yeah. I mean, it's not just lip service because we play their music. We are not only are the are we huge fans of this band, but we consider them friends. Mm-hmm. You know, um, without them, this show would not sound the way it does. And I think that their music is perfect for what we do. So it's an honor to showcase their music every week. It's an honor to be their friend. And believe me, if you go out to fiveyearmission.net and get all their CDs, you're going to love what you hear. I guarantee it. So that's fiveyearmission.net. Go get those CDs. I'm going to go off on a little tangent before I do my very important um, announcement that I usually do at this time. Uh, We have a new listener who we've talked about before. Uh, Her name is Carly. I actually talked to her today and she was talking about how she's been listening to our episodes. And she says, because of you guys... I am going out and I am getting the five-year mission CDs because awesome. I love their music. She loves what we do. She loves the intro the best of Trek Geeks. And and it, I said, yeah, all of their stuff is great. They got a new one coming out. So so there you go. Gonna, there you she's go. She's going to have some CDs in her hand, just like you always say. She's going to get the physical media. And I think that's fantastic. Um, but now onto more important things, Bill. And so you know, onto your pedantic psycho babble. <laughs> I like that. Um, it's no surprise, you know, you know that I love lower decks. I have since the beginning. It's it's a great addition to the Star Trek universe. The animation, the humor, <clears throat> excuse me, the humor is so great. Mike McMahon and his team have done just a fantastic job. Like that third season episode, you remember this one, Boimler and Mariner are assigned to be at the Starfleet recruiting booth uh, on Talgana 4. Talgana 4 shows up all the time in Lower Decks. Anyway, Bo- Boimler loses his mind when a smug drummer keeps mocking him, and, and then he goes crazy in front of everybody at the job fair yeah so bill's just just having a blast with this more importantly in this episode though we find out exactly what happened to rutherford and why he had his implants put in but the mystery does remain as to who exactly was responsible it's a great season three episode buddy it's reflections and you gotta check it out you won't forget it even though i just did i i I have a serious question for you hmm why are you the way that you are (laughs) My mommy made me the way she made me. (laughs) Um, First, I want to, I want to have a bone of contention here. Oh boy. Um, I think it should be Refarctions and not Reflarctions because Flark isn't his name. Did I? I, (laughs) There's the, there's the one mistake of the episode that I always talk. Yes. Refarctions. Refarctions. 310 episodes. Yeah. Personal conversations with Flark. Oh yeah, and you got his cease and name. desist orders, everything. A trial. Yep. And you got his name I, 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 wrong. I don't know if I would get his name wrong. I kind of, you know, the 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 real universe episode reflections. I just for some reason, it happens every once in a while. This incredibly Einstein like mind has a a little skip of the beat, so to speak, and I just type the extra L in there. It's all good though. People know what I meant. You, you did. The dinosaurs had brains the size of walnuts, and I think that that's infinitely bigger than what you have going on upstairs there. Refarctions. Yeah. There you go. Thanks for the correction. I appreciate it. So, but yeah, back to why are you the way that you are? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's nine years of doing podcasts with you, I, I guess. I really, I hate everything you choose to be. 
<laughs> I'm your friend, Bill. I'm stealing right from the office. I just want <laughs> you to know both of those lines. Those are all directed at Toby, the HR guy. Oh, oh, gotta love Toby. No, you're you're my no. Toby. Wow, you're my, to- you're my Toby. That hurts. <laughs> I haven't even gotten all the way through the 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 series, and that hurts. Are you any further along than the last time? Couple episodes, yeah. <laughs> Couple. Yeah. Dude, dude, that was August. No, it was it was more recent than that. We were traveling. Oh, since then I've watched. Oh, since then, yes, I've watched. What season are you in? Since then, end of uh, end of four. You were at the beginning of four in August. That's the whole season, baby. Why, why don't you just pause Grim for a little bit? Uh, well, oh, okay. So now, see, now we got to go off on another tangent. I'm sorry, uh, Refractions. We got to go on from the tangent. We finished Grim the other day, and I'm very disappointed and sad. Why? You've watched it like a hundred times. Because we can't watch it anymore. It has become my all-time favorite show. It has knocked Lost off the top of the list. Why can't you watch it anymore? We Well, we can, but it's sad that it's over and we have to start over again. Because I wanted to watch Office, but you just gave me permission to start over again, so we're going to start over again tomorrow. I didn't give you permission. You said you can't watch it anymore. That implies that you're not able. No, it just it's sad. It's such a good show. I'm going to start a grim podcast. Good. Maybe it'll get your ass off this one. Well, that's uh, fiveyearmission.net. Go get all their CDs. Of course, don't forget that you too can support Trek Geeks by joining us on Patreon. You know, Dan, we've got a Patreon watch along coming up in a couple of weeks. Yes. Which you probably got an email about that you didn't read. And, I did. Um, it, that the watch along was actually selected by one of our Patreons. It really was. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it was Helen, wasn't it? Helen? It was. Uh, just, yeah. That we're going to have that watch along. You did send me the uh, email. If I remember correctly, I did click on yes uh, to, maybe it was just to add it to the calendar and not to let you know that I would be there, but I did click yes. Um, so we, I will be there. It's going to be fun. Uh, I think it's going to be a good time. I don't remember the date at all, which is not unlike me, um, but I'm sure that uh, it's in my email and, and I'll find it and, and I'll be there and it's going to be a great time. Um, we're going to be watching The Immunity Syndrome, which is a fantastic episode of TOS. Absolutely. And then we're going to be watching uh, Macrocosm from Voyager. So a twofer right there that same night. It's actually, I have it right here. It's Sunday, March 3rd. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun, and I'm looking forward to it. And it's going to happen on our Discord server, so any of our Patreonicals can take advantage of it, or you can join Patreon, and uh, among the various and sundry perks, you can um, you can watch Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely, and and have great discussions on the side. Um, there's a lot of good reasons to become a Patreon of Trek Geeks. Right now, we want to take a moment, though, and just thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks, because we so much appreciate uh, every single one of them, and they are Vikram Bhatt, Chad Clark, Corey Clay, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Brandon Everidge, Andy Flark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, uh, Ryan Jeffs, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Aaron Mollenkoff, Sarah Ledoux, Helen Reed. We're going to have that watch party because of Helen. Sarah Rutlinger, Tim Robertson, Desi Rogers, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Lisa Tomlinson, Ron Robel, Kalia Zawacki, and the gracious and wonderful Connie Hutchins. Wow, you made it through that entire list without messing it up. Once. I am peeing my pants right now. I'm so happy. <laughs> That's just because you're old. Let's not <laughs> let's not pretend it's anything. But we also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Steve Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Brian Hackwith, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonagall. Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Casey Pettit, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, 
Terry Schull, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. Dan, the senior producer for now and all time, mm. is the terrifically terrific Jude Tatman. The Tatman. The Tatster. The one and only. Love the guy. Uh, you too can become producer of Trek Geeks. It's so easy to do. So easy. And then you can watch the watch party if you join it. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Dan, next week we're planning on starting more serious discussion, but I'm calling it Audible. Oh, wow. I'm no. giving you something that's not in the copy. So the, so the furthest thing away from serious discussion. The furthest thing away from serious discussion. <laughs> okay. So originally we were going to start our mental health and Star Trek, you know, series. Um, I'm not ready for that. Okay. That's so okay. <laughs> next time on Trek Geeks, Dan, oh God. we're going to do an all outtake episode. Oh, Trek Geeks. Now this is not pre-recorded. This is not, you know, outtakes from previous episodes that you've heard. Yeah. You and I are going to sit down and record a fresh episode of Trek Geeks that is nothing but an outtake. Wow. That's a good, that's challenge accepted. See, it should be fun. Are we going to have to like bleep our, no, we don't bleep anymore. We so don't bleep anymore. have to worry about that. Okay. No. Wow. This is going to be interesting. Come to think of it, a lot of our discussions are pretty much outtakes, so it should be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we I'm did, up for it. We do We it. did 20 minutes this week without <laughs> even batting an eye. I'm pretty sure we can get an hour out of this. <laughs> wow. So, okay. So you heard it right here, folks. Live, in color, or not, because you don't really watch it. You listen to it in your ear holes. Um, it's going to be the all outtake episode Next time on Trek Geeks, you know, the flight. If I, if I really wanted to throw a wrench, I'd tell you we were doing it live on YouTube, but I'm not doing that to you. That's not a wrench that I feel like catching. <laughs> I'd love to throw that wrench at your face. <laughs> I know you would. <laughs> Maybe in the future, we'll do one of those on YouTube. Okay. Um, the far future. And because that means people can always throw comments and questions uh, as do we that. discuss things, which yeah. is fun. Yeah, it is. But for this time, it's just you and me and our microphones and... um Fun and frivolity will ensue. If that's what you want to call it. Looking forward to it. <laughs> all outtakes all the time here on the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. <laughs> and now this is how podcasters with some degree of stature roll. Right. No, it's not. <laughs> this is how empires <laughs> fall is how this they is how, actually, this, yeah. <laughs> this is how empires are built, but fall is more like it. <laughs> of course, Dan, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out all of the shows here on Trek Geeks. You know, I, I have to take my hat off to everybody on the network because in the last year, actually in the last four years since the start of the pandemic, they have all worked tirelessly mm -hmm. and put their hearts into their shows and brought content that is just amazing. Yep. And while some shows are taking a break and some shows are still producing, each and every one of them has been an important part of what we do here at Trek Geeks and we love them all. So. Um, Please check out the shows um, because there are great Star Trek fans out there putting out great content under this banner, and we'd love for you to discover them. Could not say it any better than that, buddy. Absolutely. Trek geeks. No one, <laughs> that could be good or bad, no one talks Trek like we do. <laughs> Certainly not in the next episode. And of course, for <laughs> all the news on all the Star Trek Zeo, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 310 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut! Wow, that I, was I, short. I, I've done a regular one in a long time. I felt it was time. Well, it's because I did NPR today. I got it. That's true. Your favorite. <laughs> <laughs>
Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Bing bong, Dan. Oh, God. Welcome to the 2024 version of NPR for Star Trek. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. Today, we're going to have a rousing discussion on the episode of the television series Star Trek the next generation, which by the way, ran from 1987 to 1994 syndicated across the world. An episode called future imperfect. Dan, Dan, as, as the co-host here of Trek geeks, I'd like to know your thoughts. What are you saying? Huh? I'm, uh, what? I'm sorry. Are we live? Oh, sorry. I was taking a nap. What's up? Hi. What's up? You talk in your sleep, Dan. <laughs> what? Wow. I do. I do. Dan. What were you saying? It, I didn't catch any of that. Dan, it wouldn't be <laughs> a new year if we didn't have an NPR segment. Okay, and, and we have. Yay! Okay, so it's a new year. Congratulations. Great segment, Bill. Good to see you, it's buddy. Not, it's not over yet, oh. Dan. Damn. Damn it. See what I have to put up with, people? I, I don't know. What did I do? I, what do you put up with? <laughs> How many times were you here last year? <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Hey, pal. <laughs> I just I want you to know I hate your guts. Oh, that's oh, not nearly as much as I hear yours. But it's good to see you. It's great to be here. Hey, we are almost a third of the way to our entire episode count in 2008. <laughs> I know, right? And we'll get there. Pretty we'll soon. We'll at least make nine. At least by the end of October, we should hit it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, going for it. No, it's, uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I got to tell you, ever since, it's funny how we decided to come up with what we're going to talk about. I'm very excited about it. It's a, it's a, it's going to be a fun, fun discussion. Of course, you've already listened to the discussion, all you, all you twelve people that listen to the podcast. Um, so, why am I even saying anything about it? Oh, the Patreons haven't heard it yet. Well, that's true. I mean, they're 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 important. They're so important for so those that. of you who, yeah. who don't subscribe to Patreon. Yes, they get the raw audio of of this recording and the outtake. What you're hearing now is actually what we record first. Yep, first thing. Um, so it happens before we actually get through the actual episode discussion mm-hmm. at all. So the patrons 
are hearing this in the order in which we record it, you will hear it, um, as it is edited and assembled in its correct show order. Yes. Um, so as you hear this non-patreonical, um, we've already talked about it, but the Patreons are getting this live and uh, uncut. Yep. And through the magic of Bill's wonderful editing, this gets moved to the end and the one or maybe two mistakes I make are edited out. So you never hear it. So yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's really only one time I've edited out a mistake of yours. You love leaving them in. Um, <laughs> well, but I mean, you know, actually people ask me about this some, every yeah. now and then, right? Yeah. Like I get asked about this in Vegas. It's like, why do you leave all that stuff in? It's like, well, if you and I are at a bar, you know, or at STLV, for example, yeah. if we were having a discussion about Star Trek, that's the way the discussion would be. Yeah. The yeah. idea is that the, our listeners are, you know, the proverbial fly on the wall. Not that there are any proverbs about flies on walls. Um, mm. So please don't at me. But, you know, it's it, it's that kind of, of thing. Yeah. You know, the, the people listening are are part of the conversation in that sense. So right. when you when you make a mistake, when I make a mistake, it's in. You, you make, you don't make mistakes. Oh, I've played, made plenty of mistakes. Plenty, plenty Asking mistakes. you to be the co-host of this Just fucking podcast. Big mistake right there. The first one. Boom. I mean, you couldn't get any worse than that one. So no, I keep could count after that, right? No, I could. Cause I keep coming back <laughs> 310 times. 10, 310. Ooh, 310. Yikes. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, ah. Your face is crazy. Crazy. Don't want to sing though, because you know, Spotify and all that stuff, but I could have. I might have. So I, I have an update for you. Oh, speaking good. of Spotify. Updates, updates are good. Last time I talked about a new podcast I was launching. Yes, you did. We released this episode. Mm-hmm. The Monday following that, Spotify announced that they were ending the ability to cut music into your Spotify oh, podcast. Oh, no. So this takes my entire podcast idea, which was golden. Yes. And kind of takes me back to planning stage because I was ready to start going. Oh, man. That's so I'm so pissed. Spotify, you're stupid. <laughs> but thank so you for letting pissed. us be on your platform. <laughs> thank you. We, we submitted our show. That's that's. They true. didn't allow us. That got Actually, accepted. We were one of the first track podcasts on we Spotify. Were. Yes, we, we were. We submitted through Lipson. Yep. Very exciting when that happened. When you told me that, I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. Yep. yeah we were trailblazers, absolutely. baby. Trailblazers. Portland trailblazers. No, no. No, not at all. Not even. Are they still around? I don't even know if they are. I have no idea. <laughs> Did you know that there's a team in New Orleans called the Pelicans? I do. I do know that. I they didn't know from this. somewhere else. Did you also know that, sorry to get into sports people, but last night was the NBA All-Star game. And was it? they Yeah. And, and I, same thing. I don't watch it at all. But um, there was a lot of complaints that the All-Star game now is just a farce and they don't play defense and it's just an offensive, you know, contest and see who does what. The East scored 211 points in the game. <laughs> and they I'm won sorry. by like 30. 211? 211. Highest scoring game in the history of the NBA. Was LeJohn Brames playing? I don't even know. See, I don't, I don't have any interest in, in, I don't like the All-Star game for any of the sports because it's just ripe to get some great person injured for no that's, reason at all. That's a reference to The Office that I was making. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you then. Um, it's, it's, it's a deep cut reference. I, I freely admit it. You okay. know, if you're not a, if you're Can you a casual. you repeat it again? LeJohn Brames. Oh, okay. If you're a casual watcher of The Office, you probably- it had to be Michael Scott who said that. No, so really, here's what happens. Uh, 
Daryl, the warehouse supervisor, Mm -hmm. um, he likes to mess with Michael on occasion. He does. And uh, Michael asks a question about, I I believe it's Michael who asks a question about LeBron James. And Daryl, messing with him, goes, you mean LeJohn Brames? (laughs) And Michael's like, yeah. (laughs) I like uh, like the guy who plays Daryl. He's funny in Hot Tub Time Machine. Uh, Craig Robinson is hilarious. Hot Tub Time Machine 2, one of the worst movies ever made in the history of mankind. But Hot Tub Time Machine uh, is one of our go-tos when we're looking for something to watch. Craig Robinson is great on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, he has a recurring part. He also has an, a series on Peacock um, about, it's a comedy. And oh, it's about a guy trying to start a business selling saw palmetto berries by... Um, capturing and killing pythons in the Florida Everglades. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have to look up the name of the series. I, I, who, the, the genius of writers, because who would have ever thought of something like that? It's a funny show. I like it a lot. Wow. That's um, nuts. You wouldn't think it would be or great. Or berries, maybe. Oh, it's called uh, Killing It. Okay. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Okay. It's on Peacock. All right. There's another one that um, when we were, oh, what was it? When we were uh, behind the scenes for Trek Talks 3 back in January, everybody was talking about, and Frakesy was talking about, was it The Bear? The Bear on FX. Everybody says that that's fantastic. I haven't seen it yet, though. Kelly and I tried an episode, Mm -hmm. and we were like, eh? Eh? Uh. Now, maybe we need to give it more, but everyone, everyone that I have talk about it has just raved about it yeah it's so like maybe uh, it's me it could be yeah it's maybe but it could be just a slow pickup like wandavision everybody was saying how great wandavision you got to watch this my nephew was going crazy first episode soon i watched it we're like this is awful but I the bailed. first episode was supposed to be like that it got way better the, the the series it was actually i really liked how it went but that first episode was if you're not a fan of like i love lucy or that kind of television it was not it was not making it for me. I so. love that kind of television. Yeah. But I bailed because I just, I, I had no interest. That was the series that made me realize I don't need to watch everything Marvel. Mm. And they really haven't done anything good since then. No. Well, honestly, <laughs> if you think about it, you know, a lot of their flagship characters already have movies and were part of that first couple of phases of the mm-hmm. MCU. Mm-hmm. I don't care about Ant-Man. Yeah. I don't care about some of these other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the characters that have had standalone films that have done well, you know, Iron Man, Thor, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Black Panther, yeah. you know, I think that I, I'm, those movies should do well and have. There's plenty of movies that I really don't care about. Uh, Doctor Strange. I'm sorry. I don't care. I was never a big Doctor Strange comic book collector fan, but because I collected all kinds of Marvels when I was younger. Um, I do like what Benedict brought to the role, but he's not one of my favorites. I did like what he did in the in the Avengers movies. Um, and the the second one with him, with Wanda, uh, yep. was I did yep. enjoy. I, I'm just not as much into the Marvel stuff as I used to be with, you know, now that the, you know, Endgame came and went. Um but I am ex- I'm very excited for the Secret Wars movie that's supposed to come out in a few years. If it's anything like the original comic book series called Secret Wars, because yeah. to this day it's the best comic book series I ever read. It's fan it's fantastic, and I hope it I hope it's something like the comic book. Okay, we'll, we'll I, see. I, that's fair. We'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, people were hoping that you know the whole Thanos storyline would be as good as yeah 
yep. you know, the comics. And as somebody who never read Marvel growing up, I can only believe that it was based on the, the reaction to it. They did good. They, they actually had a kind of a, at least one Easter egg that I know of in um, Avengers uh, in Endgame when, when Thanos blows up the Avengers compound and Hulk is basically holding up everything on his back to keep the, the whoever's with him, I forget, uh, was it uh, Rocket and Ant-Man or somebody with him? That's an, a direct takeoff of an ep, of an issue of Secret Wars where he's literally holding a mountain range on his shoulders to keep everybody from being crushed. Oh, wow. So, so it was, a, and that's, it's like one of my, and like the, I can, I can still picture the cover of that episode of Secret Wars in my mind right now of him holding, holding up the, uh, holding up the mountain range that I think yeah. Mag, Magneto dropped on them. I can't remember who it was, but yeah. That's like yeah. this new announcement for the new Fantastic Four movie. Mm-hmm. As much as I like Pedro Casca- Pascal, mm-hmm. I could not care any less. This will be the third iteration yeah. of Fantastic Four. It, is it and three I'm, or four? As far as I know, it's the third one. Okay. Oh, well, there were two right. movies with the first cast. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Yep. There was the second grouping. Yep. Yep. And now this this new group, uh, I just I still don't care. I think the reason that they're doing it is because those other ones weren't done by the by the Marvel studio that's now under the Disney umbrella. So I yeah. think that's why they're doing it. Because I'll tell you what, the, the first one was eh. I didn't even see the second. Oh no, the second one was with Silver Surfer with uh, Doug Jones. With Doug. Um, so I did see that one, but the remake, I think I only saw the last like 15 minutes. I'm like, what? I didn't even know what it was at first. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Marvel talk brought to you by the Trek Geeks podcast. Yeah. Network. You, you're right. We're going all over the place. Let's, let's talk about the Muppets next. Your face is all over the place. <laughs> wow. Okay. I really don't care about the Muppets. Because <laughs> I'm not seven anymore. Wow. I mean, I love oh. the Muppet show growing up. Beyond that, I really don't care. The Muppets are in the Disney game that I'm playing right now that I play every single day on my iPad. They're, they're, they've been introduced into the game. It's yeah. weird to me that Disney owns the Muppets still. Yeah. Yep. I'll never forget the day that Jim Henson died the, uh, or the next day because the day after the political cartoon, I'll never forget it. It was, it was Mickey Mouse. It was, it was a picture of Mickey Mouse and Kermit sitting on a rock looking at the ocean and all, no, no words or anything. And Mickey Mouse just had his arm around Kermit. That's, that was all it was. It was very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We kind of brought this right down. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. I don't want to record anymore. Bye. Gr- great job, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I do like your USS Enterprise. Was that a blanket behind it's you? A, it's a blanket. Yes. Very nice blanket. I have a towel that looks just like that. Beach towel. Um, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I there you go. don't. <laughs> yeah, we were looking for throw blankets for the love seat, you know, because I mean, it's, that's largely for the dog. Right. We bought it. Um, at the beginning of lockdown, mm-hmm. because we realized if we're going to be working up here, yeah. you know, Abby at the time needed a place to, to sort of chill out. So we bought that love seat. Makes sense. Through one of the online sites. And I bought a cheapo Star Trek blanket to put on there. Well done. And the the blanket lining, the uh, the seat is a Patriots blanket. So we've kind of got the best of both worlds there. No pun intended. Ah, look at that. Throwing a little Star Trek into your conversation. Like that we would never be if that. it was intended. All right. I said no, no pun intended. Pun intended. Yeah. Which typically oh, God. means that was not my intent. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> it's I looked I would love to do a poll to see if people think that that's as stupid as I think is I think it is. They don't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just love giving you a hard time. <laughs> they don't. 
No, it's 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 gold. It's 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 gold. People love the NPR voice. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny because I started thinking about Vegas this week, which mm-hmm. uh, I think is 101 days away. Ah, around um, the corner. I think. No, what that's little, that's Trek Long Island. My bad. Was your handy dandy little? It's little downstairs. Countdowner. Oh, okay. It's downstairs. That's just over. No, Trek Long Island is 101 days away. So Vegas is a little further out. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, I got to start uh, putting together a, a a presentation for Stump the Geek. I'm like, no, I do not. No, you don't. Because it's not this year. The Stump this that's year. That's right. Yep. That's so right. I got to start putting together a template for you for Geek the Stump. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um. Because I yep. remember committing to that on stage. You did. It's one of the what few moments I was not inebriated in Vegas. I, and you would think that that would be something that you would have committed to when you were inebriated. Ine- <laughs> uh, you can't even say it. <laughs> inebriated. Drunk. <laughs> Loaded. Yeah. Plasted. <laughs> Plasted. Blank-faced. I got to tell you, last thing before we get to going, I know this. we're at 16 minutes now. And it's, it makes so much, as much sense as our Star Trek discussion. Um, <laughs> I am so sick to death of that stupid Dunkin's commercial. Yeah. So I walked into a Dunkin' Donuts today. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And the menu boards are now all LCD screens. Yeah. Or LED screens, whatever. And one of them is dedicated to playing that 30 second commercial on a loop. Oh, and I know this because man. I stood there for 10 minutes. Oh my gosh. And literally saw it 20 times. Wow. It's on mute, thankfully. Yep. yep. Um, but yeah. I, I don't have any interest in trying that coffee at at all. No. I'll stick with my regular flavors. I just, uh, no. 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 And you can get one with a skewer of yes. munchkins. Yep. Like a martini. Yep. But That's good and healthy. Talk about the shittiest martini. <laughs> Yep, worse than mine. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, let's let's not get crazy. Come on now, that's where I that's my bread and butter. Oh, a bread and butter martini. That sounds heinous. <laughs> Liver and onions martini. Oh, I talked oh, about oh. making like a turkey gravy martini, joking around at Thanksgiving. Oh. <laughs> you still owe me a Charleston chew martini before I move. I, I do, I do, and I actually think I saved a recipe. So yes, or huh? you can make it in Long Island. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. And we can record the results. All right, I, that's challenge accepted. Oh yeah, yeah. baby. Don't have to, see, I don't have to pack anything for a flight that could break or in luggage or anything like that. So yeah, yeah, you can do that. Okay, and, a, and of course good. I'm f- I'm flying up to Manchester to yep. drive down to Long Island yep. with you. Oh gee, thanks. That'll be a great trip. It's my present to you. Yeah. Wow. Great. You never have to get me anything ever again because this is just the best. The nice thing is you don't have to travel to Vegas with me. Oh, believe me, that is the nice thing. And I'll have the much quicker flight. <laughs> you will. <laughs> that is that is true. <laughs> that is true. But I think like, I get in before you. Uh, I, I leave a, several hours earlier. You leave several hours <laughs> earlier, yes. Uh, I actually yep. think I have a direct flight. Oh, that's pretty nice. Oh, yeah, Jerk baby. Face. Yeah. So I, right. I leave later and I arrive a little later. Yeah. But that's right. it's only because it's going to take you eight and a half hours to get there. <laughs> <laughs> like a three-hour layover in Chicago or something like that. Some stupid thing. I can't wait for it to turn into an all-night trip. I know. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for jinxing it. <laughs> you should add me to the room in case you get stuck in Chicago. Nope. You're on your own. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> 
See? See? What goes around comes around. And it's coming around, going to hit you in the face, yo. Yeah, it's like I'm not going to be able to find a hotel room in a city <laughs> filled with goddamn hotel rooms. <laughs> no, it's not going to be. So, so, what? Anyway. Well, nothing, nothing. Speak up, <laughs> Bucktooth. <laughs> wow, we're at 19 minutes. This is great. I know. <laughs> One of these days we have to do an all outtake episode. That'd be awesome. I'm up for that. I'm sure the Patreons would love it. I'm not. Sometimes our listeners sometimes, would listen to this and wonder what the hell was going on. Sometimes our regular episodes are all outtakes. The entire thing. Just saying. Yeah, that's fair. Fact, no intelligence I'm conversation right now. in there. I'm calling it right now. Next, next time, all outtake. Oh, I had something already prepped for the next time, though. Oh, come what on. It, man. Let me look at that. Let me see how badly it sucks. Good. I'm glad you prepare yourself and read the copy ahead of time. I'm not the one who reads that part. I know, but still, it'd be nice that you'd be, you know, on the same page. I'm not the one who reads that part. (laughs) He's looking at it. He's making a face, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, he's he's gritting his teeth now. Uh, Oh, he just passed out. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, no. I'm going to call an audible when we get to that. Oh, okay. He's calling an audible. Okay, then. So for Patreons, be prepared. Uh, we're going to go all outtake next episode. What the hell is the album cover going to look like? <laughs> That's not my problem. <laughs> you ready there? You ready there, pork fried? All right. Pork, all right. What? Pork fried? What the hell? <laughs> Read the copy. Speaking of Muppets. <clears throat> Trick Geeks is proud of that. No, I'm just kidding. I won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I want to do this like Mike had had. Trek Geeks is proud to have fansets as our presenting sponsor. Sorry, Mike had had is a meteorologist here in Manchester, New Hampshire. He sounds yes. like Bullwinkle. He does sound like Bullwinkle. I told him, I said, I'm going to try to do the the uh, beginning of the podcast as Kermit the Frog, but I'm probably not going to be able to because I'll be like under pressure and I'll screw it up. So I'm not going to do it. So you're welcome. That's yeah. Cool. 21 minutes. <laughs>